In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hi, and welcome aboard to another edition of the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I don't know how you found your way to this uh, podcast, but we're so glad that you did. And uh, you are joining us in the middle of this conversation we're having about um, the way that Jesus discipled those 12. You know, a lot of times we think about the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus. We think about the lives of the disciples individually or the church. But really it's fascinating when you start looking at the methods that the master used. And in a great book called uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism, Robert Coleman, who's a hero to a bunch of us, hope you're listening out there, Dr. Coleman, we have um, really gleaned a lot of insight, a lot of wisdom, practical experience out of his book, because he basically looks at the eight things that Jesus did, and they're definitely things that we can do. As a matter of fact, we don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to making disciples. We need to really just follow what the Master did. And it was, and it's so simple, really, when you think about it and when you identify um, what he did. And so today we are talking about the fourth principle, which is a word called impartation. Now, the first uh, principle was selection. He selected the 12. The second was association. He hung out with them. He was with them. The third was consecration, that he set them apart for a special work. And then today is about impartation. So in John 20, 22, Jesus says to his disciples, receive the Holy Spirit. There was this great gift that Jesus knew they would need if they were going to live for him. And so he imparted to them, he gave to them this gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be with the disciples after Christ had gone. Now, when we think about the word disciple, uh, we think about the fact that they must have been scared. I mean, they must have been uh, frightened to think, wait a minute, you've taught us what you know about the kingdom of God and the purpose of life and the way to um, fulfill God's will for your life, and then he's going to leave us? They were sitting around trembling. But of course, the Lord knew He was going to be sending the power of God, the Spirit of God, the comforter, the teacher, the guide, so they would not be left alone. And so they might have been comfortable thinking of themselves as a disciple, as a follower or a student of Christ. But now you want me to teach and to share what I've learned? I mean, come on. Well, I was tell you a story about uh, one time I was preaching at a church in Louisville, Kentucky, And uh, I was preaching on the four calls of Christ. I was doing the third week of that series, which is on discipleship. And I had this lady come up to me uh, after, they had four services, and unfortunately, she shared this with me after the last service. (laughs) I told her, I said, I wish you'd have told me this earlier. I would have used this. So the pastor of the church and I are walking out down the center aisle of the church, and this lady stops me, and she said, I think I got something this morning I want to share with you. I, of course, said, please do. She said, I taught Latin college for over 20 years. And there's a word, the word for disciple in the Latin is disco discera. Now, I'm just taking her for granted here because I don't know Latin. Uh, I did look it up, though, and and she's right. And she said the word disco discera in Latin for disciple means to learn and to teach. So the assumption then becomes that if you are a disciple of Jesus, as these 12 were, that they weren't getting this knowledge and this experience 
for their own benefit alone. The, the actual expectation was is that they were going to take everything they'd learned and then they were going to impart it as well. So in order to do this, they were going to need power, they were going to need courage, they were going to need insight. And the way that came to them was when Jesus said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And so some would even say that you're not really a disciple unless you're engaged or at least moving toward engaging, sharing with others or imparting with others. And so Robert Coleman um, said that uh, he couldn't decide where to put this chapter in the process. Uh, he, He told us that I couldn't decide whether to start with the power of the Holy Spirit or to put it in the middle or to put it at the end. And so he said he really challenged and just kind of landed in as the fourth step here. But really, when you think about it, in our own power, we don't have any. I mean, comparatively. The Holy Spirit empowering us is what uh, empowers us to live the life God's called us to live and to share that life. So it's, discipleship, then, is not about a willingness and a, about a technique. It's about the powerful result of a transformed life. And on that life, the Holy Spirit raises us up from the death of a non-existence life to fulfill the purpose of Jesus. We cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And you know who knew that really well? Of course, Jesus did. And so before he left, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we know that, you know, on the day of Pentecost, so from 40 days after Christ had gone, that the, that everyone received the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know that, that whole story. If you don't, go to Acts chapter 2, and you'll see the birth of the church which is really an experience with the Holy Spirit. But prior to that, Jesus had imparted into his disciples the Holy Spirit before he left. You see, he wanted them to obey him, but not for the sake of just keeping a law or a command, but by responding to the one who loved them and was willing to give himself for them. So these disciples weren't just keeping a set of rules. They were fulfilling the great desire of the one who loved them most. And that's what we do when we follow Jesus and when, of course, we share Christ's life with other people. And so Jesus' life was really a life of giving. I mean, if you think about it, he was giving away what the Father had given him. We never see Jesus show up in a, uh, in a scene anywhere in Scripture or can even imagine in our own minds that he shows up all self-centered about, hey, what have you done for me lately, you know? I mean, his life was so giving, and I think that's why the world admires him so much. Even the enemies of God have nothing negative, really nothing negative to say about the way Jesus was so giving. I mean, his life was marked with that. He gave his disciples peace. Remember, he imparted into them his peace. He gave them his joy, uh, even in sufferings. He gave them the keys to the kingdom. He gave them his own glory that they might be one with the Father. He gave them authority. He gave them his plan of discipleship, and he gave them all he had, including his own life. I mean, he held nothing back, and that's what love does. Love is like that. It's always giving, but it's also always giving for the right reason. I mean, he gave them his passion uh, for a lost world, and everything he did and said was motivated by this consuming passion. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And then, of course, his son gave his life. And then in giving his life, we receive that life, and he gives us again the power of the Spirit to walk with us, to empower us, to teach us continually, every day, every moment of every day. 
Listen, the creator of the universe lives in our bodies, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And, and he knew this about us. He knew this about you and me and those 12, that he knew that we could never fulfill his call to be obedient and serve the world and to share God's love and make disciples without the power of the Holy Spirit within him. Folks, we don't have <laughs> that much energy. We don't have that much desire and passion. It has been a, it is given to us, and it's given to us through the Holy Spirit. And so Robert Coleman in his book, there's this quote, I, I underlined it probably 10 times. You can almost not even read the quote anymore. <laughs> I've underlined it so much. And he said this, the corrupted human nature must be regenerated by the Spirit of God before it can be conformed to its true created purpose in the divine image. Likewise, it is the Spirit who sustains and nourishes the transformed life of a disciple in knowledge and in grace. That is a powerful statement. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that again, write that down, because that explains to us that not only does God call us to do something that is almost seemingly impossible or difficult to do, but he gives us the power to be able to do it. And so Philippians 2.13, Paul said, God who works in you to will and to act to fulfill his good pleasure. You see, Jesus was God in revelation, but the Spirit was God in operation. Let me say that again. Jesus is God in revelation, but God, but the Spirit is God in operation. The daily power and drive that you and I have to fulfill God's will for our life, to be a, a change agent in our world, to share the love of Jesus, to invest our life in the life of others, that's the Spirit of God in us in operation. And that's what Jesus imparted to his disciples. I mean, the G Jesus said that the Spirit would even prepare the way for his ministry. Do you remember the, the, the scene, maybe you saw it in Sunday school and on the flannel graphs, or, the, or you've seen the videos, or you've thought about it, or heard sermons on when Jesus was baptized? Do you remember that? Yeah, he goes down to the Jordan, and then his cousin there is John the Baptist, and John makes his claim that, you know, I'm not even worthy uh, to untie his sandals and all this, and, and, and he puts himself in a very humble place, but Jesus walks into the water and tells John he has to do this. So John baptizes Jesus in the water. When Jesus comes up out of the water, Scripture says, um, there's an interesting thing happens. God's voice from heaven is, is heard. It's, it's kind of a moment where we see the Trinity in action. And uh, everything we know about the Trinity or about relationship, we actually see as the Trinity engages in itself. But in this particular moment, there in the Jordan with all these people watching and John, God says, this is my son, whom I am well pleased. And then it says the Spirit of God in the form of a dove comes down. Now think about that. The Spirit of God in the symbol, we use a symbol of peace, comes down and resides on Jesus. Now does that mean that Jesus didn't have the Holy Spirit before that? You know, let's debate that one another time. The important thing here is, is that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is all right there in conjunction culminating into this one particular moment. And it was the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now think about the significance of that, because the Holy Spirit's first task was then to lead Jesus into the wilderness. Remember that? It says that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. So the Spirit of God was leading, doing work already 
in the life of Christ. And we see this. Hey, this is a model for us. We need to be led by the Spirit, even if it's into hard places. Now, this calling uh, of the disciples was, was altogether the Spirit's work. I, I believe when Jesus selected these disciples and he associated with them and he, he, he consecrated them, he set them apart, I believe this was the Spirit of God doing this work. You see, and all the disciples were asked to do was to let the Spirit have complete charge of their lives. I mean, think about it. That's all they were asked. Hey, just let the Spirit lead you and guide you, and everything will work out in God's timing. Uh, because the Holy Spirit would come and guide and lead, but also comfort. You see, Jesus had administered and comforted, and uh, he fed, and he taught these, these 12 for, for three years. But now, the Holy Spirit would tag in and would guide them into all truth and show them things to come and teach them what they needed to know would help them to pray, that the Holy Spirit would take the things of Jesus and make them real to his followers, especially those who had never had a personal encounter with the physical Christ. And so John, um, in, in John 14, 17, he alludes to this fact that the world could not receive the truth because it did not know Jesus, but the disciples knew him because they were with him. And, and in the Spirit, he would continue to be with them forever. And so, Beyond the, just the 12, the Holy Spirit is the integral empowering of the presence of God in our life to cause us to fulfill what seemingly is impossible, but it can be possible if we're walking in the Spirit of God. Remember, the, the creator of the universe lives in your body and lives in your body in the person of the Holy Spirit. So let me remind you of a, of a scene in Scripture in John 20, uh, 19 through 22. Now, Jesus has already been crucified or risen, and it says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked, fear of the Jewish leaders, I mean, they're huddled up and scared, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now, the disciples are somewhere in Jerusalem in hiding. And look, it says the doors were locked, okay? Now, unless they forgot to lock a window or something, my, my interpretation of this is the the, the Christ just appears in the room with them, and the first thing he says to them is what? Peace be with you. I don't know where you're at today, but man, that's a great message, isn't it? I mean, you may be anxious over the kids you're trying to raise or the job you're trying to do, or, or maybe something's got you all spun up and anxious about something, but you know, when Christ walks into the room of a disciple, that's what he says, peace be with you. And, and verse 20, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I mean, this is proof that he died and has been risen again. And we know that it was the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. So picture this. He says, peace be with you. He shows them the wounds. And then he says again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to see this in the context that it's in. Jesus shows up with a bunch of people who are trying to follow God in confusion and fear, in self-doubt and concern, distraction, of course, and in hiding. And he says to them twice, peace be with you. Hey, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, the Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Man, I wish I was there. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the look on their faces 
when he said, receive the Holy Spirit. They'd just seen the wounds. They'd just seen a, a dead man walking, literally. The room was locked up, and here this guy appears, and they know him by his scars. They saw him, and they received from him. My friends, I hope today your greatest desire is to receive and to walk in the Spirit of God and experience the peace and the knowledge and the joy that comes with that. I mean, the fact that the Holy Spirit was imparted or given to Jesus' followers is the reason for the power we have to live the God-centered life today. It's hard. It's challenging. It's difficult. And without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. I mean, the whole thing revolves around the person of the Master, Jesus, his way of life and the way we have his life in us through the impartation of the Holy Spirit. We must have his life in us by the Holy Spirit if we are going to live for him, to fulfill his wishes and teach others to do the same. I mean, any discipleship work that you and I are about without the Holy Spirit, it's like chasing the wind. It's futile. It is the Spirit in us exalting the Son that draws us to the Father. I want to say that again because I don't want you to miss that. It's the Holy Spirit in us exalting the Son that draws us to the Father. And so here's the principle of impartation I want to leave you with. You can't give something away that you don't have. You cannot pray for others to receive the Holy Spirit, to walk in the power of the Spirit, my friends, if you're not. And so we see this played out in Scripture in one of our favorites, the Apostle Paul. To me, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 is a guiding Scripture. I mean, it's foundational. It's one of the top 10 for me as a disciple maker. And let me read it to you and then leave you with this. He said, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this I end, to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Now think about that. He's saying the goal of our life, the thing that we do day in and day out, is we proclaim Christ. We admonish others. We teach everyone with all the wisdom that comes from God so that we may present everybody fully mature as Christ's followers. And then he adds this little caveat, like, you think that's easy? <laughs> he says, to this end, I strenuously contend. Another version says, we labor with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He says, man, this is hard work. This is challenging. This is difficult. But you know what? We've got power, and we're doing it in this, in this power that works in us that comes from Christ as well. So not only are we called to fulfill the mission of Christ, we are filled with the power of the Spirit to be able to do that too. I mean, we've got it all. We've got it all. There's nothing lacking for you to live out the life that God's called you to live except the willingness to obey, to be obedient to the teachings of Christ. And remember this, when you are obedient to Christ, you're being obedient to the one who loves you the most. I hope that encourages you today. Uh, next week, we're going to be looking at demonstration. How did Jesus demonstrate these skills that he had to, uh, to those 12 that they could actually do them and then teach them to others? And so uh, if this is your first time listening today, go back and listen to the past three weeks, at least maybe four weeks as we did an introduction. Listen to the next ones. Uh, stay committed to this. Use this as part of your personal worship. And uh, invite a friend. Uh, listen in to 419. Uh, we've got a lot of free resources for you on 419disciplemakers.org. And we'd love your feedback. I'd love to know your insight. How has this worked in your own particular life? 
And we look forward to next week as we talk about this powerful principle of demonstration. God bless you as you go out in the power of the Spirit, making disciples. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.